0: several weeks ago called first and we talked about giving God the first part of your day as we enter these 21 days of fasting and prayer which we just completed yesterday and then we talked about also giving God the first part of your income and there's something about the word of God there's something about the God himself throughout his word what he teaches he just has this thing about being first And how many of you know God isn't on some ego trip where he just wants to be first so he could say, hey, I'm number one. No, that's not what God's about. Really, God wants to be first for our benefit, not for his. Amen? So it really is all about God putting him first because that's the way our life works out. It just works out better when we put him first. And so it really is about, even what we talked about a minute ago, giving God control over our life. So we've talked about those things, and today we're really going to look about look at what God's Word says concerning our personal goals in life, our personal vision, and really what God wants to do in our life. I want to give you a little bit of background before we read from Joshua chapter 14 and let you know that that we'll even go into the book of Numbers. But let me just tell you a little bit about uh, what's happening here in Joshua chapter 14. Moses delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. He brought them out of years and years of slavery. He brought them through the Red Sea into the wilderness. But the goal was always that God was going to give them what he called the promised land. And so God brings these people all the way to the edge of the promised land. And here is Moses. He's the leader. And as they get to the edge of the promised land, Moses has an idea. He says, okay, I'm going to pick 12 men because there were 12 tribes. I'm going to pick one from every tribe. I'm going to have them spy out the land and then have them come back and give a report of what it looks like. So he picked these 12 men. And they went into the land to spy out the land, and they came back. And the Bible says that 10 of them brought an evil report back from the land. In other words, they said this, there's no way. I mean, it's a great piece of property. I mean, it's got oceanfront view, and I mean, it's got, you know, all this. It's incredible. It's incredible location, you know, real estate location, location, location. It's great. I mean, everything's great about it. But the enemy there is huge. They're like six foot three, you know what I mean? Massive. We're four foot two. I mean, we're normal size. And so, so there, there is no way we're going to win. But the Bible says that two people there, Joshua and... Come on, Sunday school kids. How many of you know? Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report and they said hey man everything those guys said was true man it's incredible piece of land there's incredible fruit there and yeah there's giants there but hey I believe we could do it man I believe we could take it I believe that this property is just just for us God reserved it for us so let's do it but when all the people heard from those other 10 said we can't do it then the people just kind of lost all the confidence and said, hey, there's no way it's going to happen. And the Bible says that they continued to wander. But in Numbers chapter 14, in verse number 24, it says of one of those men, Joshua and Caleb, it speaks of Caleb, it says this, now my servant Caleb has a different spirit. There's a different spirit within him because he's followed me wholly. And because he has a different spirit, because he's followed me wholly, Because he's confident, because he has faith, because he believes, I'm going to bring him into his own inheritance. I'm going to give him a piece of land. In fact, my wife and I, when we had a child, our first child, we named him Caleb because of this verse. Because we said, hey, this kid, he's going to have a different spirit. He's going to be a man of faith. Amen? And so we said, this is an important verse in the Bible For us to know that this guy, Caleb, had something, man. The Bible actually singles him out. God said to Moses, my servant Caleb has a different spirit in him. Amen. And so Moses recognized that. Moses said, hey, this guy has a vision. God spoke to him and said, hey, my servant Caleb has a vision. He's got a personal vision. And so it says in, in Joshua chapter 14, now speaking of this guy Caleb, and we'll just kind of fast forward uh, to the sixth verse. There's really not that many verses in the chapter, but we'll start in verse number six. It says, then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the same guy, Caleb, the son of Jebunah, the Kinsanite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. That's a good year, right? When I hit 40, I just know that's a joke. It's a joke one day. Boy, you guys, I'm telling you what. And first service laughs at my jokes. Y'all got it. I got joke grenades that go out. Y'all get it later. 40 years old. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him. Watch this. As it was in my heart. Caleb says, I just believed. I believed that we were able. I believed that it was possible. He said, so I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, they made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance And your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. In other words, hey, listen, because you didn't waver, you had faith, you believed, God's going to give you the promise that he said to you many, many years before. Now, watch verse number 10. And behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Whoo, hallelujah. Listen, that ought to excite some of us. That ought to excite some of us that got a little gray in our hair, and when we wake up in the morning, it just takes us a minute to stretch out, and you know what I'm saying? And we got a few little bumps and bruises on our bodies. God has kept us alive for a reason. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you didn't make it to 2019 because you've been eating Brussels sprouts for the last three years. No, you made it because God kept you alive. Amen. God brought you to this moment for a reason. All the choices that were made by your grandparents and great-grandparents and by your parents and by you yourself, even all the mistakes, somehow brought you to this seat this morning. You are alive for a reason. You have a purpose. And Caleb is saying to Joshua, hey, I'm still still alive God kept me alive for a reason somebody say hallelujah amen Amen. I'm gonna wake y'all up somehow some way amen God kept you alive Caleb said God kept me alive watch this and he said verse 10 these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke to this word this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now here I am this day 85 years old whoo hallelujah how many of you know 85 is the new 40? Amen. Right? I used to say that 60 was the new 40, but now you look at Caleb you go, man, this guy, 85 is the new 40. Hallelujah. 85 years old. And he said, man, I still look pretty good, man. I still got some strength in my body. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm 85, but I still feel like I'm 40. Hallelujah. How I many you know that's, that's how we're supposed to age, amen? We're not supposed to just somehow, somehow cling on until the very end. Oh, Lord, I guess I'm going to go out in a pile of dust. No, God's supposed to keep us strong. Hallelujah. Amen. How I many of you know when you hit 40, you're just getting warmed up. You're just starting to figure out life. Come on now. Amen. Listen, I don't have one foot in the grave. Come on now. I'm just now getting warmed up. I'm just starting to figure out life. I plan to live on a good old long life. Amen? Because God's going to keep me alive. Why? Because there's purpose inside of my life. I said this for years. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. I don't care what I sound like this morning. I'm telling you, God's not done with you. I may sound like Mickey Mouse, but I'm telling you, right on the inside of me, there's purpose on the inside of me. Amen? Amen? I believe that. How many believe that? You look in the mirror. You need to say, you're getting better looking, not uglier. (laughs) Hallelujah. Start speaking faith. Caleb said, I'm 85, but I feel spry. Hallelujah. I feel good. Amen. Now watch what he says in verse number 11. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so my strength is now So now is my strength. Watch these two words for war. Both going out to war and coming in from war. Ooh, that means when I go out to battle, I'm going to be strong. When I come in from battle, I'm going to be strong. Amen. I'm going to be just as strong. That means I'm victorious. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, you need to know this about war. Is that the personal vision that God gives you, your piece of land, what God, what you're believing God for, the promises for your life, you're going to have to battle over them. I said, you're going to have to battle over them. Listen, they're not just going to come to pass because you show up in the rain. God, I did check, you know, Check that box. I showed up in the rain. No, no. There's going to be a little more required of you than that. And just because you fasted a meal doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight either. How many of you know there's a battle, there's a fight of faith, there's a spiritual warfare that has to take place. The devil don't want you blessed. The devil don't want the promises of God coming to pass in your life. The devil wants you defeated. The devil wants you clinging on. The devil wants you going, Jesus, come quickly. But I'm here to tell you that God has purpose inside of you, but you are going to have to fight for that purpose to come to pass. It's going to be a battle. Listen, I know. When we started raising, you know, it was six years ago that I stood in front of this building. We didn't own it. I was trespassing. Come on now. I was just trespassing. I thought, we got to shoot this video quick before the cops come. Here I am just on the property. We're trying to shoot a quick video before the owners of the property find out we're here. And I remember I shot this video January 2013. And I showed the video on the final Sunday, which is like this Sunday. I showed the video on the final Sunday at Wellington High School. We were in their auditorium. And I I remember going, hey, we shot this video. And the moment I shot the video, and some of you remember, you were there. The moment I shot the video... People just saw me in front of that big window right there and they just started cheering and they cheered so long and so loud they missed the part where we were going to believe God for the building. They thought we got it already and after service people kept coming up to me and going, congratulations pastor on that building. I thought, hey man, you missed the part where we got to pay for it. It's $3 million. You missed that part. We got 200000 okay? We need a lot more, you know? And I thought, I got to show that video again, man. Everybody missed it. Congratulations. I wanted to just, anyway. So here we are, man. And over the next, really, eight months was a fight of faith. It was a fight of faith. I'd like to tell you, because listen, we're trying to raise more money than we are with this project. We're trying to raise more money with like a third, less than a third of the people that we have at Grace now. And I thought, man, how is this going to work? But I didn't know any other way to do it. I didn't know. Listen, you can't get up there. I just said, I said, I can't get up there and say, God could give us a piece of property. Woo! Now give. It may happen. There's a good chance. Solid six out of 10 possibility. You know, who's going to give to that? All right? I just had to go, you know what? You either jump in or you don't. And I said, there's only one way to do it. You have to do it by faith. And you have to say, this is what I believe God said. God's going to give it. I had a word from God from a prophet who's a friend of mine who said, God's given us a major piece, a, a piece of property on a major street in Palm Beach County. And when we looked at this, we said Southern Boulevard is a major street in Palm Beach County. I didn't know anything about all the neighborhoods that were coming in. I, I thought, okay. It's out in the boonies a little bit. It's out in the sticks. But hey, I just believe God's putting us here for a reason. And when we announced it, we said there's no other way to say it than to just say, hey, I believe God's going to give it to us. And so that's what we did. But let me tell you, it was a fight. Now, I don't remember anybody personally coming against me. Now we had, you know, one or two people leave the church said, oh, I'm out, not, not gonna be a part of that. But other than that, there was not any personal battle. But you know what the fight was? My thoughts, my thoughts. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, four says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in so much as we battle arguments. And let me tell you, the enemy was putting thoughts and arguments in my head. Well, it's not gonna happen. Well, what are you gonna say to Everybody. Huh? I mean, I thought that. What am I going to say to everybody if we don't get it? You know what I mean? I thought, well, what am I going to say? You know, so I started talking to God. God, if you don't want me to pastor the church, then you just going to have to open up a door for me to go to another church. Because I can't get up there and say, well, I thought it was God, but I guess it wasn't. I mean, how am I supposed to do anything after that? I've lost all the confidence of the people, man, I was fighting. I was ready to type up a resume and go, man, I know, you know, this looks pretty good. I got a lot of years. I could make a great associate. I was ready to call a friend of mine who pastored a fairly large church and say, hey, could you help me out? Could you put me on staff? Please help me. You know, I mean, I mean, all these thoughts come. And let me tell you, I was getting on a plane from Atlanta. I was at the Atlanta airport. I was getting on a plane to go from Atlanta to Seoul, Korea. 14-hour flight, which already messes with your brain. And I was talking to the real estate agent as I'm loading, as they're loading the plane. Because we had, a, uh, we had put some advisors together and we started talking and the building inspection came back. And, and there were some issues with the air conditioning and the roof. And, and we said, we need another 50000 off the price. And he was already giving us great terms, man. He's given us 1% interest for two years. And then a fixed interest that's way below the commercial rate. And he's, we're putting way less than 20% down. And he's, he's doing owner financing. And we won't have to go all these closing costs, go through these banks, trying to get a mortgage, trying to get a loan. He's going to finance it for us. And I'm at the airport talking to this real estate agent. And I said, listen, I need another 50000 off. And she's saying, he's not going to do it. He's come down as far as he's coming down. He's already given you terms. It's not going to happen. Well, then I said, well, I guess I'm not buying the building. And she said, I guess you're not. And we hung up and I got on a plane for 14 hours. How many of you know that'll mess with your brain? But do you know what? Even the day we're closing, I still had to fight for it. We had a 1 p.m. closing. Now here I am, about to sign on a building that was just less, just under three million dollars by myself. Now I have decent credit, but I don't have three million dollar credit. Okay, so and I'm thinking to myself, they're not gonna. I, the devil did not. It's not gonna happen. There's gonna be some piece of paper that they go, oh, you don't have this. Oh man, forget it. I mean, my income. I thought this ain't going This ain't gonna work. And do you know what? I got a call from the closing agent, and she left a voicemail on my phone, and she said, Pastor Brian, you need to call me quickly. There's a major problem with the building, and, and that was it. And when I heard that voicemail, my heart just sunk, and, I, and the devil said, that's it. See, there you go. You're not getting it. And I called her and I said, what's the matter? She goes, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong line. Everything's good, we'll see you at one o'clock. I thought, you devil, you devil, I bind you in Jesus' name, you know? I was binding her and him, I bind everybody. But how many of you know, we closed. And we've been in this thing now five years, come on now. We ain't missed a mortgage payment. God's blessed us. People have come. Amen. But it is a fight. You're going to have to fight for the vision. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to believe that inside of the corporate vision, there is a personal vision that God wants to bring to pass in your life. Listen now. Inside of the promised land, there was a piece of property that had Caleb's name on it. Watch, Watch, keep reading in Joshua chapter 14. Keep reading. Joshua says this, verse 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you have heard that the Amalekite were there, and the great cities and great fortified them. Be the Lord, be with me. In other words, he says this, Give me, watch this, this mountain. Not just any mountain, this mountain. That means this, that when Caleb, 45 years earlier, was walking with Joshua, and saying, hey, this is a good piece of property somehow his eyes turned and he saw a mountain and God says that's yours Caleb that's yours and he hit his 50's huh he was 40 he hit his 50's and they're wandering through the desert they throw a party for him and they give him a bunch of old aid cards and candles and, and but it hasn't happened yet and then he hit 60 and then he hits 70 and then he hits 80 and the whole time he's thinking I've got a promise from God I've got a promise from God but the way the promise from God comes to pass is he put Caleb's personal vision watch this inside the corporate vision that was the promised land right he put the the personal vision inside the corporate vision so that the corporate vision has to come to pass right you got to get to the promised land before Caleb's personal vision could come to pass see that's how God works because at the end of the day watch this at the end of the day it's never about Grace Chapel it's never about Grace Chapel you know Grace Chapel is just the legal name of a corporation Grace Chapel is, is, owns a, a piece of property right we're just paying on a piece of property that has a lot number it has a legal description that's, that's all that Grace Chapel is that's just a name what God cares about is people And so us as a church, as a people, as a body of believers, he has given us a corporate vision, but then he brings along individuals. Come on now, you and you and you and you. He brings along individuals. And he says, I've brought you here, not just so that a corporate vision could come to pass, but so that your personal promise can come to pass. But your personal promise is wrapped up in the totality of what I want God to do in this body of believers. Amen? Amen. See, it's always about you. It's about you, and it's about you, and it's about you. And it's about those that aren't here yet. It's about those that are coming that on the outside, they look like they have their whole life together and they, they, they look like everything's great, but their marriage is falling apart and their kids are on drugs and, and you won't know it by just passing them by, by just shaking their hand. But inside they are a mess. They're broken and they're wounded and they need Jesus. You know, it wasn't long ago, I was at Bethesda hospital in Boynton beach if you go to the visitor's desk there, and then you begin to go down the hallway to the left, you'll see along the wall all these donors. And they have different tiers. People who gave this amount, people gave this amount, people who gave this amount. But you get to this part where it's really like platinum donors. People have given over 250000 That's a lot of money. Now you say, well, why would somebody... Listen to me. Why would somebody give a quarter of a million dollars to a hospital, is it because one day they might get sick? Huh? Is it because one day they might get sick and I got to build this hospital, it's near my house. Hey, I'm gonna give 250,000 because if this thing's built, one day I might get cancer and I'll have to go to this hospital and I'll get treated. No, probably not. People with that kind of money, they're not so worried about the nearest hospital. You know why they do it? For everybody else. Do you hear me now? They give that kind of money because there's people that don't have that kind of money. There's people that are really hurting because that hospital is there for the wounded. That hospital is there for the broken. That hospital is going to heal bodies, put lives back together. Why? Because that's the reason they give. That's the reason they need a hospital. And listen, we need to do this. The Make Room Project needs to come to pass, not not just because my kid needs to bounce off a wall somewhere. It's because there's people out there. They need to come in because they're hurting, they're broken, and their lives need to be put back together. And so I'm giving because of them. Hallelujah. Because I know also that there's a promise that God's given me. One day, I'm going to pray for them. One day, I'm going to shake hands with them. One day, I'm going to see them in a connect group. One day. See, it's never just about me. It's always about vision, 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 corporate vision. But then also, what does God want to do in you, right? What does God want to do in you? The promises of God that aren't just for you. They're for what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do, watch this, through you. What God wants to do through you. Listen, Caleb said this. I'm going to battle. I'm strong. I'm going to do war, right? I'm going to fight this fight of faith. And so that's why I'm going to give. You know, David said something in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He said this. This is why I'm giving. 1 Chronicles chapter 29 verse 3 says, For I have set my affection on the house of the Lord. Because I love God's house, I'm giving. Let me tell you, David would not really even live long enough to walk in those halls filled with gold, and an incredible temple. Solomon would end up completing it, but he gave for it. In fact, he said, I'm giving over and above what is necessary. I'm giving over and above because I have a love for God's house. I do too. I just feel like God's house is a place for the broken to come in. I love God's house. Now listen, does it only happen in in the boundaries of of this property? Does it only happen within four walls? Absolutely not. I hope it's contagious, it goes beyond these walls, but it's what God does in you while you're here that you can take outside these four walls and share with others, amen? So we need a place, we need a place. Jesus, when he got here in Matthew chapter six, he said this, Don't worry, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, and what you're gonna wear. Can I put that into today's context? Don't worry about your car payment. Don't worry about your mortgage payment. Don't worry about the bills, your retirement, college. Don't worry about that stuff. You put me first, and you watch how I take care of the mortgage payment, I'll take care of the car payment, I'll take care of retirement, I'll take care of all of it. Right? And it's not just that he lets you barely get by. Remember, I talked about that from my own personal testimony. Because I thought that if I give, because my wife and I, we're going to give, we're going to give a bigger amount than we've ever given anywhere in our lifetime. And I knew, I said, okay, well, I I got my year planned out. I know we got some money coming in here, here, and here. And I said, well, I'll just, I'll give it and I'll do without this, this and this because I had, some, I had some plans for that money but I'm gonna do without this, this and this and I just said, okay, I'll do without and I thought, God's gonna pat me on the back and go, you're a good little Christian. Look at you doing without. Aren't you awesome? And I would say back to God, actually I am. You need to tell my wife how awesome I am. Please, on a regular basis. right?" But do you know what the Holy Spirit said to me instead of that? (laughs) You know, he said, Brian, that's the wrong thinking. That's the wrong mentality. You're making me out to be a taker and not a giver. And when he said that phrase to me, I thought, dear Lord, I am. I'm making God out to be a taker and not a giver. God's never that way. He never takes from us just to take. He takes from us, right, so that he could give back to us. I don't know if you've seen this meme that uh, this little picture, it's made its way around social media, but there's a picture of Jesus and a little girl and, and Jesus is actually holding this incredible teddy bear behind his back, right? And he's saying to this little girl, just give it, just do it. Trust me, you just trust me. And she's holding on to this little itty bitty tiny little teddy bear and what she's saying, but God, I, I can't let it go. If I let it go, who am I going to snuggle with at night? What am I going to do? If I let it go, who am I going to play with? I need this, God. You can't really ask me for this. Ask me for anything but this. Little does she know that Jesus has this incredible, incredible bear behind his back saying, hey, just trust me. Listen, that's the kind of God that we serve. He's not a taker that just wants to take from you. He is an abundant giver. He's an over and above giver. He wants to bless us, but he requires faith, which means we give first. Hallelujah. And watch, church, watch how he pours back unto us. I told you, it was like that text message I got from somebody just a couple weeks ago who said, Pastor, we've been saving up for a used truck. And man, we've got all this money saved up. And when you were preaching about the Make Room Project, they said, something said, give it. But my first thought was, okay, we'll give it. And I've got a truck. It's over 200,000 miles. I'll give it and we'll we'll just keep driving this old beater around. But the Holy Spirit said to him, no, you give, and I'm going to get you a new truck. Not a used one that you were thinking about. See, I'm going to give you a new truck. And they said, we're going to give this money, and we're going to believe God for a new truck. Because God is a giver and not a taker. Amen? That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen? So I want to talk to you this morning about the Make Room Project. And if you're here this morning, and you've never gotten one of these we have some ushers that can just pass one out and, and we're going to take these up again next week but I know some of you are prepared to give this morning now I said this just to give you a brief synopsis of what we're doing we've looked at the neighborhoods that are coming into our area we see all these homes specifically Arden and Westlake represent 6,500 homes and we think good what are we going to do with all these people because they're coming and if we wait till they get here, we've waited too late, right? So we got to do something now. God said, now is the time to do something. So we said, okay, what are we going to do? We, somehow we got to make room for them. So we need to enlarge the sanctuary. So we said, okay, how are we going to enlarge it? So we thought, okay, we'll, we'll knock out a wall. We're gonna, we're gonna knock out this wall. We're gonna move that soundboard over, give us a lot more back wall space. Specifically on this side, we're gonna create a center aisle. We're gonna redo everything. In fact, at the end of the day, we're gonna add 100 seats in here and we're gonna have even more altar space than we have now because how many of you know you need altar space? Because we're still gonna pray for people, lay hands on people. We're not getting rid of the altar space just to add seats, okay? Right? So we're gonna add over 100 seats but we said, okay, but there has to be something. Where are we going to meet while we're being remodeled? Now, if you haven't got one of these, just raise your hand and we'll give you one right now. If you want one of these, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago when we first passed them out, just raise it and we'll get it to you. So we said, okay, where are we going to meet over the next, you know, few months while we're remodeling, which could be up to five or six months of remodeling in here. And God dropped it in our heart that before we ever remodel this this sanctuary right here. We're to build out the back part of our property. We have a huge space back there that has a roof, has columns, it just doesn't have walls, it, it's got a cement floor, but that's it. It's got electric, it's got sprinklers, but it needs a lot more. And we need to rework the bathrooms. We're gonna add a sidewalk, we're gonna add some entrances, we gotta do air conditioning because that's gonna be a, a that's gonna be a huge, huge price tag. We're gonna add electrical back there. So But we're going to build a family activity center in the back first. That's going to be a place for our youth to meet, a place for kids to hang out, a place for seniors to have lunches, a place for singles to gather. We're going to have lilas. We're going to have our men's events back there, our church picnic back there. And then I began to dream about all that we could do back there. In times of crisis in our community, when we need a place for food and water, it'll be a staging area. When hurricanes hit, we need to get food and water to people. Uh, It'll be a place for that. It'll be a place where we could do after-school programs. We could start a dance academy. We could have soccer and and basketball and rec on Saturday mornings. It's going to be an incredible piece of property for people of all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities. And then when that is finished, then we'll start working in here. So we need to raise about 380,000. At the end of the day, it might be more than that. So here's what, how we get there. We put this up a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to put it up again. We need five people to come in at 20,000, 10 people to come in at 10,000, 15 at 5, 25 at 2,500, 25 at 1,000, 15 at 500 now that 's going to get us to, to three hundred and seventy thousand, but i I believe god I, I know that i can I can get the other ten I, I have a plan all right so that 's going to if we hit all those numbers that 's going to get us there now you see the two in the middle, fifteen for five thousand and twenty five for two thousand five hundred We recognize those are, those are going to be the most challenging those are going to be the most challenging to get, specifically that twenty five for twenty five hundred Of course, the 15 for five. Uh, Those are going to be the most challenging to get. Now, this is over a six-month period. This is not a one-time offering. We want it today. We need it today. But we do need a couple things. If you look at the pledge card that you have either in your hand or, or you've seen before, we need a Kickstarter offering because when you do construction, much of your costs are up front. The GC wants money up front. The architect wants to get paid completely before he releases anything. He wants to get paid completely. So a Kickstarter offering and then additional offering over six months, which would be a total offering, and we took it up in first service, and we're going to believe God, we're going to take it up again in just a moment, and then I'm going to announce next week uh, what has come in, what's been pledged, what's come in, and then... Again the following week, because I know some people miss today because, you know, it rains like in South Florida, it rains like two Sundays a year, and we've already hit our quota. It rained Vision Sunday and it rained today. You believe that? See, I told you I was already gonna have to battle thoughts. I was already I'm already fighting, all right? And so I know this. Now listen, some people have turned in their card already. They didn't need the wait, they turned it in immediately and they gave. In fact, I had one card turned in from a teenager and I know they don't have any money but they pledged something and I thought for them it was a huge amount of money and I thought that's the widow's mite right there that somebody would say inside of the corporate vision that is the Make Room Project that is Grace Chapel that is the body of Christ in this location there's a personal vision of how God wants to use me. There's a piece of land. There's a mountain with my name on it. And I want to be a part of it. Man, it blessed me so much. I was taken back by it. I thought, dear Lord, I need, I need to pray about giving more because, I mean, that's faith. Now, I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard. And we're going to pray. And then we're going to dismiss you this morning. And if you weren't prepared to give today, we're going to take it up again next week and over the next two weeks I'm going to update you on the totals and where we're at and throughout the project I'll keep you posted and I got drawings from the architect they're they're just basic drawings and we'll we'll put up all these drawings as I get them and when they're finalized and I get the, the ones that look really good then I'm going to share them with everybody but they're still not finished yet some changes and some things adjustments we want to make to them So this year is going to look very different at Grace. I mean, it really is. We'll be under construction most of the year. But imagine when it's done. Imagine when it's done. You know, a hundred more seats between the two services is like adding an extra service without even adding an extra service. It's more seats than we have in here right now. 200 seats. I mean, that's going to be significant for us. And that's just the beginning. Because we could add another service and then see where God goes from there.